0: Good morning, happy 2019. How's it going? So, uh, if it's okay, I'm just going to jump right in. There's a lot I want to try and get through, and uh, so let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your presence this morning. Thank you so much how you draw near to us how you touch our hearts, how you free us, how you change us, how you love us, how you protect us, how you provide for us, and most of all, how you rescued us from our own sin. Lord, would you speak in these next moments and call our names, call us where we're at, that we would come out from hiding, that we would come as we are, into your presence, into deeper relationship, deeper intimacy, deeper discipleship with you, God. We want to be with you, and we want to be like you. Transform us, that we would reflect your love to those around us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, come as you are. Uh, Honor and a privilege to get to speak to you guys about one of our core messages. I'm the junior high pastor, so often I'm over, not often, every Sunday I'm over with uh, your junior hires if you have a junior high student, and uh, as a staff pastor, we all get to speak once a year, and when I found out I got to speak the first message of the year, I was really excited, and when I found out I got to speak on Come As You Are, I got even more excited, because this was... uh, Something, this word that the Lord has given us this morning has been brewing in my heart for several months, and it was it was in there before uh, Tom said he wouldn't be here this Sunday and, and uh, asked if I would do it. So, what what does "Come as You Are" mean? It's it's on our sign out front. My wife made a T-shirt for me. "Come as You Are," you know, and it, it's an, it's a nice idea. "Come as You Are," you see it and. There's so much more depth to that than than you know, it can almost sound flippant or 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 shallow. Oh, I just come as you are. It's so deep. There's so much depth. And we inherited this core value from Pastor Shane Holden when he first planted and started Mad City Church. His whole heart was the gospel in blue jeans, that Jesus comes to those that aren't high, aren't righteous, aren't lofty. He comes to those that are broken, that are low, that are hurting, that need a Savior. Though we all need a Savior, even if you are high and lofty, uh, he, he comes to those that are broken. And uh, so, I just I just love that this is part of who we are as this specific body, that this is part of our spiritual DNA. Um, so, what what does it mean to come as you are? Well, it, it does mean just come as you are. No mess, no pretending. And it's so I don't know why for. The world hides in all these different things. But as believers, I don't know. Why is it so hard for us to come as we are? Why, why sometimes do we, do we have these masks? Do we have these facades? And, uh, you know, oh, God bless you. Good morning. I'm fine. Everything's great. You know, I love to say God bless you. I love to say hallelujah. I love to do all those things. But if we're hiding behind that because we're hurting that that is a problem. And I know I do that. I do that regularly. I hide. So come as you are simply means to come in our brokenness, to come with the good, the bad, the ugly. Not everything's bad, right? I mean in seasons it sometimes feels like everything's bad, but God's amazing. This year for me has been one of the best years of my life. The past six weeks, valley. Not fun. Nothing bad was going on. But internally, I'm just like doubting this, frustrated about that. And nothing, again, no little, no big thing was happening. Just a bunch of little tiny things that were just, yeah. It was just a rough six weeks for whatever reason. So why... Why is it so hard to come as you are? And why do we need to come as we are? Well, God already knows everything going on, right? So when we, we pretend, we can kind of fool each other sometimes, even though, even though usually you know someone's being fake, right? We can fool some people sometimes. Maybe we become really good at it. Especially as leaders, we can become really good at pretending um, because we feel like we have to, and that's not true. He sees, and he knows, and he cares about everything that's going on in our lives. There's nothing hidden from him. He sees everything. He knows everything. And he cares about every little minutia of our life. And the the trouble starts when we start believing the lie that he doesn't see, he doesn't know, he doesn't care... He's so transcendent. He's way up there. He's God. He doesn't care about the fact that I'm upset about this stupid little thing. No, he does. He's imminent. He's, yes, he's transcendent. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's omniscient. But he's also imminent. He's so close to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us and dwells in us. That, I mean, that is incredible. I mean, he even says it's too lofty for me. It's so wonderful. I can't even understand it. I mean, picture this the God of the universe is hemming us in. He's like, I got you here, and I'm behind you, and I'm, my hand is on you. You're not going anywhere. You're mine. I die for you. Oh, no, let me, you can't see me, I'm so, stop it, my blood paid the price, you are mine, knock it off, you're mine, I love you. You know, my kids are young, Talon's almost eight, Aspen's five, and and when they're being naughty, and they know they're being naughty, they're, they're run off, I go after them, I grab them. Sometimes I just have to hold aspect, no, you't away from me, no sweetheart. you're not getting away from me, and a couple minutes later, I have her laughing, and we talk, and I don't always handle everything that way because I'm not a perfect father. Why is it so hard to come as you are? Well, this is our main scripture, and I think this reveals. So clearly, why it's hard to come as we are, and something that has, we just continue to repeat throughout, uh, throughout history. Adam and his wife, this is Genesis, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That is awesome and incredible. I mean, think about that. You're, you're in the garden, everything is good, you have no sin nature. You're not riddled with all this stuff. You're not sick with the disease of sin. And you're in a beautiful, lush garden with vegetation and birds and beauty and all these animals everywhere. And you're naked. You're just running around in the woods. That's awesome. And there's no shame. It's just like, yeah, this is who we are, this is how we were created. It's it's beautiful. It's pure. To the pure, all things are pure. And so there was just this innocence and this beauty. There was no shame. Now the serpent, more crafty than any of the animals, any of the wild animals Lord God had made, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Why is it so hard to come as we are? Well, one, we buy the lie. We, we buy the lie that God is withholding. Satan comes and, and says the woman, to take." Did God really say you can't eat any of the fruit from any of these trees in this garden? I mean, this is an amazing garden. He's God who loves you, who created you and made you in his image. He said you can't have any of the fruit from any of these trees. And he's like, oh, no, 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 Mr. Snake, Mr. Zaden, No, 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 no. He just said that this tree, this, this one tree in the garden, we can eat the fruit from all the other trees. That's great. But it was just this, this one that we can't. And he said we would surely die. He, sa- he said we also can't touch it. Well, God, first of all, never said he couldn't touch it, that they couldn't touch it. They said don't eat from its fruit. Don't eat, eat, eat its fruit. Because then you will surely die. Do you you see in Eve was already this this thing that maybe God is withholding from me. Maybe maybe He really isn't as great or all-knowing or all-powerful as he, He says He is. If this fruit is good for gaining wisdom, which is amazing. How is a fruit, how could she see that a fruit is good for gaining wisdom, and it's a fruit? Like, I've never looked at an apple and been like, oh, I'll get smarter if I eat this. It doesn't make sense to me. But, so it's this, this, well, whatever, we'll leave that. She sees that it's good for gaining wisdom, and she wants to be like God. She wants to see and know. And that was the same temptation, the same pride that Satan himself embodied that caused him to fall. He thought he could be equal with God. We know Satan was an angel. He thought he could be equal with God. And God's like, uh uh-uh. uh, I created you. And now he's tempting Eve with the same trick, the same, the same lie. And she's, she's biting. God's withholding. I can see and know. I can be just as good as God. In fact, I could probably see a situation and understand it better than God because he clearly doesn't understand what's, what's going on right in here and right now. This is a mess, and he's not watching. He doesn't know what's going on. I can figure it out. Our own selfish desires, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pull us into bondage. James 1 says, one fourteen says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin. When it's full grown, gives birth to death. This is the death of that God was talking about. Now we know if they would have kept eating the fruit from the tree of life, they would have lived forever. And since Adam Abene- and Eve ate the fruit from the tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, God said we, we can't let them continue to eat from the tree of life and live forever like this. So there became a natural physical death, but there is this spiritual death that still Brings, brings decay that still, if we, if we continue in sin and continue to let it grow, it will kill us. And sometimes physically. Why is it so hard to come as we are? Well, because then we actually do see and know. They ate the fruit, they all, then their eyes were open, and they're like, oh my goodness, what is all this stuff? You know, our youngest daughter Timber, she's only twenty one, twenty two months. She's not quite two yet. She doesn't care. She has no shame if she's naked. She's just you got to change her diaper. You know, there's no shame. My five year old daughter and my my almost eight year old son. There, I mean, they're in the room. I try to open the door. Hey, what's going? On? Get out of here. And Aspen will crawl into the closet. Just put your clothes on. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm not trying to look at you. Just, I was just seeing what you were doing. We see. We know. When, when we sin, we, we know. We know we're wrong. And we see how disgusting it is. We feel how disgusting it is. And here is the moment where we can either come as we are and into the Father's presence and be forgiven and be washed and and be clean again because His blood paid for all of it. That doesn't mean we just keep on sinning. That doesn't mean we're trampling on His grace. But, But if we sin... We're forgiven. We just need to go to Him, and He puts on the robe of righteousness again. He puts on the ring. He washes us. But often, and if you're like me, you probably do this: you go to shame and condemnation. Oh, I'm so horrible! I can't believe I did that again. Or that's usually my 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 last resort is is condemning myself. Usually, usually me. I'm like, it's this person's fault. <laughs> I mean, Adam did that. God came to Adam and he's like, uh, so buddy, you ate this too? <laughs> it was a woman you gave me. That, that's usually me. <laughs> yeah, I was this person. What what they made, what the how silly and childish. We always are trying to point blame. We're either beating others up in our, because of our own shame or we're beating ourselves up, or, or a combination of both. We actually do see and know. And then we try to deal with it. We try to deal with it on our own. We try to make our own coverings. When they saw that they were naked, they, Adam and Eve, sewed fig leaves together. However they did that, and made coverings for themselves, and then they went and hid in the bushes. What do we cover ourselves with? Sometimes it's materialism. Sometimes it's status, which is kind of the same. Sometimes it's substances. Sometimes it's unforgiveness self-righteousness, judgments. These are all things I'm good at that I like to cover up with. Anger. These are all self-protections that separate us from God and isolate us. And it just gets worse and worse and breeds and grows. And we all do it. Because we can see each other's lives more clearly than we see our own lives. So we run and hide and isolate and self-protect. But God God knows already. It's not like he doesn't know what I'm doing. It's not like he didn't see every wicked thought. It's not even the actions. I've become really good at covering up my outward sin, or not outwardly sinning, but the putrid things still inside that you can only see if you're close enough to me. So we run and we hide. Because we're afraid of what God is going to say. Which only points to the fact that I don't really know how good he is. And how much he loves me. And that he's perfect. Because I'm comparing him. I'm making God in my own image. And that image is put together by all the different examples of people I've seen in my life. God's like, I love those people, but I'm not them. I'm far above all of them, far above you. I'm perfect. So we run and hide, thinking he won't find us, thinking he won't see where we are, and he'll just maybe go away and go and leave us alone. But Psalm 139 continues. It says, where can I go from your spirit? How can darkness be light? He's everywhere. Oh, you you don't want me around you, Lord. I'm just so awful and horrible, uh, buddy. Your little thing that you think is so horrible, my blood just took care of that. Just come i didn't I didn't send my son to die, to be executed so that you could wallow in self-pity and shame, that you could believe the lies of the enemy and be bound up. I sent my son so that you could be free. Free to pursue me, free to be in relationship with me, free to love me. Because I love you. I created you to be close to me. So if it's so hard to come as we are and we're, we're hiding, how do, how do we come out of hiding? How do we come out of hiding as we are in our brokenness and in our flawed states and all our shame and all our coverings? How, how do we come as we are and step into freedom? First, we hear the Father's voice calling. Adam and Eve have made their fig leaves. They're hiding in the bushes. And God, fully knowing exactly where they are, they're at and what's going on, comes walking through the garden. Oh, I'll go see what Adam and Eve are doing. I want to hang out with them. Adam, where are you? Why are you, why are, come, what are you doing over here? Come on now, what's going on? Well, we're naked. How do you know that? Did you do something you weren't supposed to? Yeah, and uh we knew we were naked, and we were we were afraid we heard you coming. you know the perfect picture for this. My kids are in the basement, they're playing. And my, all my kids, if you guys know my kids, they're wild kids. We love to fight. We love to wrestle. And inevitably, someone gets hurt. Something gets broke. It just happens. And uh, so, you know, we're up in the kitchen and in the living room area, dining room, whatever. And they're downstairs. And we hear, you know, and they're, and it's fine. You know, sometimes, hey, knock it off. Come on. Calm down. Be nice to your sister. Shut the door again. Back to, Noise and breaking stuff. But then all of a sudden it's dead quiet. I was like, whoa. What? What's going on downstairs? Come down the stairs, come around the corner. It's just disaster, stuff everywhere. No kids to be seen. And you hear like some rustling behind the sofa by the toy box. Talon? Aspen, you see Aspen's little head peek over the sofa. Come, what's going on, Talon? Did no, no. I don't hear what Talon did. What's going on? What, what's happened? What'd you do, Talon? What's going on? You see, we have to hear the Father's voice calling us. He is calling us and we can stay hiding we can stay behind all the structures we've made all the self protections we've made or or we can just come out we can just come out from behind all the stuff cuz he knows anyways and he's not mad he's not he's not furious ready to smote us yeah he hates sin he hates that we embrace and and go to our selfish desires and our wicked things. He knows it's going to hurt us. He knows it's going to mess us up and he knows it's going to cause problems relationally with him. But Jesus was crucified since the foundations of the earth. Even when all this was going on with Adam and Eve, God foreknew had already planned on sending his son. Since the foundations of the earth, the plan was for Jesus to come, that all would be saved. So we have to be honest with where we're at. We have to come out, and we're just, I'm I'm right here. I'm right here, and I'm covered in this junk. I mean, isn't it exhausting pretending? I get so tired of pretending. I mean, it's like, how long can I walk around like this, and pretend that everything's. How's it going? <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's so tiring. It just we just need to be honest. Come out from behind all the structures into the Father's presence. Let go of the things we're using to cover ourselves. Let it fall away. And just repent to use a Christianese word. Just God, I'm sorry. I was wrong. You said this isn't good. You said not to do this. And I did. And it's hurt your heart. And it's it's causing death in my heart. Free me, please. Free me. Wash me. Row me again. ultimately in order for us to to respond to his voice and to get honest we have to trust him it's really for me an issue of trust and i and i would say for all of us it's it's an issue of trust do we really believe that god is the one true living god and not like on sunday morning and not when we're like reading our Bibles, but like in that moment of depravity and grossness and shame, do we believe that he is the one true God? In that moment of temptation, do we believe that God knows best, he created us, he designed a a plan that we would live our lives in harmony, in peace, in unity with him? Or do we think we know better and or can know better and figure it out ourselves? It's, it's really, are we trusting him or are we trusting ourselves? And often I'm trusting myself. Often, often, often I'm just trusting that I, I can figure this out. I'm a fairly intelligent individual. Uh, I'm not afraid to make mistakes. I'll just figure it out and trip along the way. That's fine. But how foolish to stumble around, to waste all that time and energy pretending and covering. We have to trust not only that He's the one true living God that knows everything and has created everything that is good, everything that's good is from Him. We have to trust that He is also good. And I think maybe that is the more difficult part. That's the more difficult part for me. I, Though I love to talk about how imminent God is and how we worship him and we're in his presence and I'm just in his presence, I'm your son, Lord, I'm in your presence. Really, when it comes down to it, I don't trust that he's good. Because if I trusted that he was good, I would let go of all the stuff. And know that everything I need and every solution to every problem I'm facing, he has a good answer, even though it's still painful to walk through, even though it just didn't clear up and disappear in the moment, though sometimes it does, he still is a miracle-working God, and he still can speak to those wind and waves and cause them to cease. And he does. And I have plenty of stories in my life where that's happened, but I have more stories in my life where that hasn't happened and he's teaching me character and building character and perseverance so that I can trust that he is good he's perfect he's my father and he knows what's best even unto death Jesus trusting the father as good died on a cross was executed he lost his life But he was raised up. And so will we if we love him and if we give him our lives and follow him. We have to trust that he's going to give us beauty from all our ashes. We have to trust that he has the best robes, the best clothes for us. It's really about identity. It's really about knowing that we're loved, sons and daughters. We're his creation that he made, that he said is good, that he loved. I want to share my process of of becoming a pastor. And it's it's really a story of... uh, coming as I was and coming out from behind a whole bunch of self-made facades. So I've, I've shared in the past, almost 15 years ago now, I, by the way, I was the prodigal. I grew up in church. That word this morning was so beautiful. It, it was over there just worshiping and crying because it was so beautiful. I was a prodigal. I was raised in church. I loved God. My parents are pastors, or my dad's a pastor. I was in church, love God, serve God. Ran away (laughs) hard. And he he miraculously, instantaneously delivered me from drugs. And it, it was a powerful, powerful moment. But it was not the best moments. And even all the drugs and all the messed up things weren't the most difficult moments. Oh, those were huge lows. This story is one of the most difficult things I've ever had to learn and go through. So I'm free from drugs. I love the Lord. I have the Holy Spirit in me. The New Testament gifts are functioning. Like I'm reading the New Testament, and I'm prophesying. I'm praying for people, and God is healing them. I'm praying for people. God is delivering them. This is awesome. This is real. I love this. Let's do this all the time. I started to get arrogant and proud because stuff would happen. And I wanted to be the awesome guy that all this stuff happened through. And of course, you never say that out loud. Ever. 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 Cause you're a Christian and we're humble and it's God's power. But that's just in me. This Oh, I'm, I'm a super awesome Christian. Well, after a while, people are like, yeah, dude, you're not that awesome because I see how you treat your wife. I see how you handle your finances. I see how you do this. I see how you treat people. I see what's really inside because it's manifesting. The fruit of your life is telling a different story than what you think about yourself. And so I, I just I didn't want to be around Christians. Well, these guys are just, they don't really love the Lord. They don't want to see God move. So I'm going to show them how to do it. Because I'm a super awesome Christian. through religious facade and arrogant speech i was able to and to convince people to form this nonprofit we were going to do water projects all over africa so we built it and i got people in and i was in different bands that failed and trying to make it happen trying to make it happen trying to make it. finally i got a group together Yeah, we're we're God's chosen. We're going to make millions of dollars. And we're going to do all these well-present. It's going to be awesome. All for God's glory, right? No, all for your glory, little Joe. All because you want to prove to everybody how awesome you are. Again, don't ever say that out loud. It was on a trip... To Uganda, that the team I'd brought, it was our first project. All hell was breaking loose. The team was unraveling, and I'm like, ticked. What is going on? So I go off, I go on my own. There's this kind of big hill and an island. It's not a big island, it's like a mile by three miles. And I'm getting out of here. I just disappear for a couple of hours. Of course, I put my earbuds in and worship music. I'm just furious. What is going on? What, is this? what are these people's problems? And he just, after, I don't know, an hour or two, he, he speaks. He's like, it's probably the first time he's actually spoken in several years, even though I've said he's spoken about all these other things. And he's just like, son, are you going to choose me? Or are you going to choose this thing? And I was so confused. I was so dumbfounded. I was like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? This is all for you. Come on out, buddy. Come on out. And he asked again, are you going to choose me? Or are you going to choose this thing? And of course, at that moment, I had enough wisdom, like this hair hair sliver of wisdom to know if God has to ask you a question twice, it's not good. First of all, and that there's only one answer, and it's to choose Him. And uh, so I, was, I mean, it was just like, well, I I can actually either be a complete moron uh, or or I can or I can at least try to choose You, and even though I don't understand what's going on, so I just said... I can cuz I can't see I'm doing this. I can't it's all for you Lord. I can't see how messed up I am. I'm in tons of pain for years. So tired trying. And I just say, "Well God, I'm going to choose you." And in a moment I knew all I just saw clearly in a moment I saw how wicked it was how deceived I was, how all my motives and the foundation for everything I was trying to do was all me-centric, me, 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 me. I'm going to be God. I'm going to show everyone I'm awesome. I'm going to be the hero. And I just wept. This is so gross. And I wept, not because I saw how gross it was, but because of what the Lord said next. so gently, so sweetly just began to say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've marred your name. I've used you to make myself look good this whole time. And I'm damaging friends. I'm ruining relationships because of my own selfish desires. And he just kept affirming me. Son, I am so proud of you. And I will use you. I will use you to touch nations. And the thing about that, why that was so powerful in that moment, because years before, people had called me out, prophetic people called me out, said, God's going to, Call, or God is calling you to the nations. God's going to use you. So for six years, I tried to make it happen and tried to be the superstar because I thought that's what she had to do. I just didn't have a lot of great examples. Uh, and that's not, that sounds like an excuse. It probably is an excuse. I was just selfish and wicked in that. So from that moment, I came back, and I'm sharing this with Tom, and he's like, oh, thank God, because he could see. He knew what was going on, and he's, I, you know, I could just tell. He's like, glad that is over with. And like a month later, I'm like, oh, we have another meeting, we're hanging. Tom, I feel like God wants me to be a pastor. No, he doesn't. <laughs> you go back to work. You go back to work. You have a job. You're a great influence there. You're 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 doing things for the kingdom there. You're witnessing to people. Because I was like crazy. Like I wasn't, half the time I wasn't even working. People would come to my cubicle, all this stuff. So it was just great. That was fun times. Um, but I see, I didn't want to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor. No pastor. Did not want to be a pastor. And uh, so when Tom said no, I'm like, praise Jesus. It was just me again. It was just me again. Yes. Well, it wouldn't shake for two months, and I'm just, like, wrestling with the Lord. For two months, he's like, you're going to be a pastor. It, it, I mean, it was so crazy. I went down to my grandma's 85th uh, birthday party. She lives in Des Plaines, Illinois. We go down there. Two months before, every time I talked to her, Joey, your Uncle Joe, he's my great uncle, uh, her brother. Uncle Joe's got something. He's super important. He's got to tell you. okay, like, what? What does Uncle Joe t- Just tell me. No, he's got to tell you. When you get down here, he's got to tell you. Okay, all right, fine. So we get down there. This was 2012, August of 2012. Hi, Grandma. Happy birthday. How's it going? Go talk to your Uncle Joe right now. He's got to talk to you. Great. My dad's side of the family is uh, Catholic. So this language, this verbiage is not like in their normal, how they would describe stuff. Come up to Uncle Joe. Hey, Uncle Joe, what's going on? I want you to become a pastor. What? Uncle Joe, I'm on the worship team. I'm, I'm serving the Lord like I don't know. I want you to become a pastor. I want to see you become a pastor. My wife is standing right there, and we're looking at each other like, what is this? And so I set up. I go, we come home. I set up this other meeting with Tom because I know I have to talk to him. I'm like Lord. What? What do I possibly tell Tom? He already said no. He already said no. You don't go to Tom a second time when it's something like this. And he said no. So you just—it's just this is an honor and respecting thing. You just don't do it. He made up his mind. You tell him that I want you to be a youth pastor, and you are supposed to help Derek. Great. So we come in, set up another meeting, sit down, some pleasantries. Okay, buddy, what's on your heart? Uh, the Lord told me I am supposed to be a youth pastor at City Church, and I'm supposed to help Derek. He stands up, walks out of the room, and I am just like, this is horrible. This is not good. I'm in so much trouble. This is horrible. He goes to the bathroom. He comes back in. He sits down, and he just says, buddy, The same thing happened with Pastor Shane Holden. He came in. I told him no. Because he needed to know that it was the Lord calling him. And it's the same with you. And fast forward six years. I've been a pastor here now three years. And I I love it. I love what I get to do. Amen. And God is fulfilling his promises. He... I've been to three different countries in the past two years. And that was his promise. I am going to use you to touch nations. He has sent me to different places. And he's opened the door, he's done it. So when we we come out of our hiding, when we stop pretending, when we stop, we let go and drop all the manufactured garbage that is just a waste. And we come into who we are as his children. And we come into who we are as his beloved. We come into our destiny with him. He does have plans and purposes for each and every one of us. So we come out. We come as we are. We come out from hiding into who we are, into wholehearted devotion. That's why he created us. He created us to be in relationship. He created us to choose love, to choose, to respond to his love, to respond to his initiate. He initiated it. We respond to his initiation. And we love him back. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful not to fall back into the trap, not to fall back into the lies and by the lies that the... the enemy so wants to always always whisper right here that you can be God. You can know. You know better than him anyways. You're the one in this situation. He's way up there. He has no idea what's going on. It's such a lie. It's such a lie. Paul said it like this. But now I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's clever lies, your thoughts may be corrupted and you may lose your single-hearted devotion and pure love for Christ. That's what it's all about is just... Pure love for Jesus, wholehearted. He has our lives. He can do whatever he wants with it at any moment, at any time. We come as we are not to stay the same. We come as we are to be transformed into his image. We come as we are to be washed and cleansed, adopted into his family so that we can be in relationship with him forever and live forever with him. Okay, let's pray it's time to close. Worship team, yeah, you guys can come. Hmm. Lord, I I went on and said a lot of things and with a lot of passion and zeal. Would your words would the words that were actually your words take root in our heart and grow? Lord, we want single-hearted devotion. We want our whole lives to be focused on you. We want our eyes to be locked on your eyes. It's the one thing, God. It's the one thing we desire is to gaze upon your beauty, to be in your course, to be in your presence. Lord, I ask for those of us that are so tired of pretending that are so tired of covering up. Would you would would you cause us to hear you this morning, to hear you calling our name, calling our name so that we would come out from our hiding places. Not to be smited and abused and kicked around and condemned. Because you came to save us. You didn't come to condemn us. Would you free our hearts this morning, God, to pursue you wholeheartedly? Would you cause us to be bold and courageous? We, We can't muster up that strength. We're already exhausted. And even if we weren't exhausted, we don't have the strength to be... To be honest, it's only your grace that draws us. It's only your grace that frees us. It's only your grace that causes us to see rightly. Lord, cause us to see you rightly today. Cause us to see you not only as the transcendent God and the imminent God but the God that's good you are so good you're not good sometimes you're good all the time and you're, all your ways are perfect all your ways are perfect even if your ways mean death to this life you did it Jesus you're not asking us to do something you didn't do Thank you Jesus for everything you've done. We come as we are as a church and as a body. We come we come as your children. As a beautiful flawed mosaic. Would you shine through us this year? Would your light, Holy Spirit, would you shine through us as one beautiful mosaic to this city? to our co-workers, to our neighbors, to our friends and families that are hurt, to those that don't know you, that don't know your grace, that don't know your love and have believed the lie that you aren't good. You are the miracle-working God. We do ask God for miraculous signs and wonders this year, Lord. Not to boast in your power. But it's your power. It's, it's the only thing that separates us from the rest of the world. Moses said it. It's your very presence. What else? What else would separate us? What else Thank you for your presence, Lord, and thank you for your love. We come after you to this year, Lord, together as a church. Amen. Okay, guys, so glad you were here. Uh, there will be prayer teams if you want prayer. Otherwise, have an amazing rest of the day. And prayer and fasting is this week. Tomorrow night, come hang out with us.